0: If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, I want to encourage you to find Joshua chapter three, Joshua chapter three, if you've got something to write on, something to write with, I'd encourage you to jot down a couple of things this morning. But as I was thinking about 2022, and over the last few days, we were able to travel and and visit uh, family up in Michigan. We had a wonderful time, but there's some time, downtime, where I was able just to reflect on this last year. And I was thinking about over this last year, there's been some years that I've left the year thinking, man, that was awesome. That was amazing. I can't wait for the new year. It's going to be even better. And just to be honest, there's also been plenty of years where honestly, when I thought back, I was a little disappointed with where I was. I don't know if y'all have ever felt that. I don't know if y'all have ever had that moment where you just sort of felt stuck. You felt like, man, I thought I'd be further along in whatever area than I am. You thought you'd have more successes under your belt and you thought that things would be different in your home and your marriage or whatever those things may be for you. I don't know, but I think are seasons where we all just sort of feel stuck, we feel like, man, I'm not really making progress. I'm not really moving the direction that I thought I would be moving. And we find this season where we're like, God, is this all there is? One of those seasons for me was several years ago where uh, externally, publicly, everything was going really well. I mean, I was Uh, loving serving here and loving all the things that God was enabling me to do. have a wonderful wife and a wonderful marriage and just so many things that were going right. But internally, I felt like I was my own worst enemy. Where when I started thinking about all the things that I get to lead or all the people I get to lead, I came to the conclusion that the hardest person I lead is actually myself. And it seemed like over the last couple years leading up to this moment, it seemed like I would take two steps forward and then one step back and two steps forward and one step back and I would make some progress and then shortly after that, the progress would vanish seemingly overnight and internally I was beating myself up. I don't know if you've been in those moments where you're just like down on yourself and you're like, really? Is this all there is? And Really? Is this the best I can do? Really? Is this where I'm going to be? I'm just going to be stuck And it just seemed like internally, again, externally, everything was fine. But internally, I kept bumping this invisible ceiling in my life. And in one of those moments, the light bulb went on and it was like, I could hear the voice inside of my head saying, something has to change. I think we've all been there, haven't we? I think all of us have been in those moments that if we're honest and we dropped our guard, there's been those moments where we felt like we're bumping up against something. We felt like that thing that we prayed for, that thing that we thought was going to be different. We found ourselves stuck in sort of repeat habits, stuck in repeat motions, stuck in past decisions that we've made. And, and, and we begin to wonder, God, is this all I, all you have for us? Is this all, this is what my life is going to be? God, is this all there's going to be? And in those moments, moments, there's this reminder that something has to change. And I love what Pastor Chuck says so often, nothing changes until something changes. And there's something powerful that begins to happen when we begin to say, God, I want your best. The reason why I love teaching out of Joshua 3, and I've done it a time or two here over the years, because I think this is an important passage for me to remember, for you to remember, because in Joshua chapter three, the nation of Israel was stuck. The nation of Israel, many years before had been delivered from Egypt. If you know the story of the Israelites, God had promised them, I have a land for you. I'm gonna make you an amazing people. I'm I'm gonna use you to bless all the nations of the world. God made these big promises and then a few years later, they find themselves in slavery in Egypt. And when they're in slavery in Egypt, they're in slavery for 450 years. The Bible says that every year of slavery was harder or harsher than the year before. And somewhere in the midst of 450 years of slavery, the people got fed up with it. They got to this moment of something's got to change. And they started crying out, God, where are you? God, do you see us? God, God, is this all there is? And so God raises up a leader. He raises up Moses. And, and God uses this unlikely leader to go to Pharaoh. And through a series of events where God shows his strength over Pharaoh, finally the nation of Israel gets to leave. And finally, they're out of slavery and they're on their way to the promised land, this land that God had promised the father Abraham, who had many sons and many sons had. Sorry, we're not going to sing that today. <laughs> Rhonda, can you all sing that next week in kids' worship? All right, good. Good. And so finally, it seems like they're on their way to the promised land. finally, after all this time of hopes being diminished and dreams beginning to die, finally, it seems like we're on our way to the promised land. But if you know the story, they get really close to it. And at the last minute, they send out spies into the land. and the spies come back and they say, man, it's amazing. It really is. It's unbelievable. The land is, uh, uh, is flowing with milk and honey. It's got giant fruit. It's, it's unbelievable. And then there's that one little word that creeps into the new year for many of us, the word but. But we saw the descendants of Anak there. They saw these giant people in the land. And so even though God had promised and even though God had delivered them, and even though God was taking them to this amazing future, doubt began to creep in. And they begin to second guess God. They begin to second guess themselves. And in the middle of this moment, after 450 years of slavery, one day away from the promised land, they begin to say in Numbers chapter 13, we want to go back to Egypt. Are you kidding me? After slavery, after punishment, after harshness, God delivers them. They're about to take the promised land and doubt begins to break out. And some of the people in the crowd say, we want to go back to the way it used to be. And so for the next 40 years, because of their disbelief, God allows them to wander in the wilderness. For 40 years, they're stuck in this holding pattern. For 40 years, they're stuck doing the same thing every day. Hey, what do we want to do today? Hey, let's wander. What do you want to do tomorrow? Hey, let's wander. Hey, what's going on Friday night? I think we're just gonna wander. And finally, at the end of those 40 years of wandering, I've heard some people say if instead of Moses leading them, it was Moesha, they would have gotten there faster because guys never stopped to ask for directions. But anyway, I don't know if that's true living Bible version, but close. Finally, they're about to go into the promised land. And Joshua says, you got to get ready. And this morning, I'm teaching to myself today because I think this is a word God has for me, but I'm teaching to friends today to say, maybe God's saying the same thing. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you feel like, man, you're disappointed with where you're at. Maybe that dream that God's placed in your heart is beginning to shrivel up and die. And God this morning wants to say, get ready. If you have your Bibles, we're in Joshua 3. If you don't mind, if you're able to, would you stand with me as we read this morning's passage together? And if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screens as well. But in Joshua chapter 3, this is... After they've been camping out for a few days, they're almost to the promised land. But between them and the promised land is this giant barrier called the Jordan River. And here's what it says in Joshua 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan. So they've been camping out. They've been close. They can can see the promised land. They can see the end in sight. But they've been camping out. So verse two, at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with a Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of about 2000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you shall go for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, look at this phrase, he said, consecrate yourselves, get ready, right? Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over, talking about the Jordan, cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went ahead of the people. And here's what it says in verse 7. Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. Verse 8. You shall moreover command the priests who, shall, who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. By this, you shall know that the living God is among you. Heavenly Father, as we pray today, we pray for a sense of your leadership as we step into this new year. Lord, help us to hear from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. What's interesting is they're about to go somewhere new. They're about to step into what God has for them. And so for us this morning, I believe there's three vital questions that every single one of us need to ask as we ask God, what do you have for me? Question number one, if you're a note taker today, question number one is what direction will I go? What direction will I go? For the nation of Israel, they had been in slavery previously for 450 years. So the thing they knew was the work of slaves. They knew every day, here's what we do. We, we get up and we build, we make bricks. Every day we do whatever the, the, the boss says. Every day we just do. Every single day we just do, do, do. And then finally, when they're delivered from Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land, and then they have that disbelief for 40 years, they just wander in the wilderness over and over again. What are we doing today? We're wandering. What are we doing in three weeks? We're wandering. What are we going to do next month? We're wandering. They kept doing the same thing. And now in Joshua 3, the spies have gone into the land and says, hey, this is the time for us to go. They come back to Joshua. They give a good report and Joshua moves to action. Joshua doesn't want to wait. Joshua doesn't want to waste any time. He's like, everybody get up, everybody get up, everybody get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to go into the promised land. We're going to walk into it. And I guarantee you there were some people in the crowd that day that thought that that sounded like a good idea. Yeah, the promised land, it does sound like a good idea. But there was a voice inside their head and there was a voice inside their heart that said, Yeah, but I'm kind of comfortable the way things are. I'm kind of used to the routine now. I'm kind of used to the wandering thing. I'm kind of used to eating manna every single day. I'm kind of used to doing the same thing every day. And Joshua steps into them and listen to what he says in verse 4. He says, Yet there shall be between you and it about a distance of 2,000 cubits. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way by which you shall go. Look at this last phrase. For you have not passed this way for. In other words, I'm taking you someplace new. In other words, there's something I have for you then instead of going back to a predictable life, instead of going back to wandering in the wilderness, he says, I've got something new. And so the question for them and the question for us is, what direction am I gonna go? Am I gonna go back to the way things were this last year? Am I gonna go back to my old routines and habits? Am I gonna go back to my old lifestyle? Or am I believing that as we walk into 2022, God has something more? And the tension that a lot of us feel is we feel like the best is behind us. The tension that a lot of us feel is we, we, we remember the good old days We remember when life was easier and life went made sense and we we remember how good it used to be. The problem is we actually have selective amnesia because the truth is if you could teleport yourself back ten years, twenty years, fifty years, there was as many problems then as there are today. They just look different, but they existed. And so I think God says to them and God says to us as we walk into a new year, what direction am I gonna go? Am I gonna go back? Am I gonna go forward? That's question number one. What direction am I going to go? Question number two is who am I going to follow? Who am I going to follow? It's so interesting that when Joshua is giving this command, he's like, everybody get up, everybody get up, everybody get up. We're about to move. We're about to move. We're about to move. You haven't been this way before. You haven't been here. This is something new. This is something more. This is something exciting. But look back at at this verse where it says as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant. So the question is, well, well, Joshua, if we're going someplace new, how are we going to know how to get there? We've never been in the promised land. We've never seen this before. How are we going to know? Well, if you know the history of this, when they were wandering in the wilderness for those 40 years, they had two things that they followed. If they were traveling by day, the way that they would know where they were going is they'd look up in the, in the sky and they see a pillar of clouds. But if they were traveling at night, they would look up and see a pillar of fire. This is basically the Old Testament version of Google Maps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, we're wondering where we going to go today. Oh, there's the cloud. Oh, there's the fire. Let's follow that. So for 40 years, they were used to seeing these big, obvious signs. I mean, there's about a million of them at least. Some theologians estimate there's about four million Israelites at this point. Wherever you are in that spectrum, four million people can see a cloud in the sky. Four million people can see fire in the air. But now when Joshua is leading the people saying, we're going someplace new. God has something more. God has something more. He's saying, I don't want you to look for the cloud anymore. I don't want you to look for the fire anymore. I want you to look for the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you're not familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, it was basically a chest. It was about two feet by four feet. On the top, on the lid of this chest, there's two angel-type figures inside the chest were some reminders of God's faithfulness. There's the Ten Commandments inside of it. There was the rod that Aaron, Moses' brother, used that began to sprout and grow. And there was also a jar of manna, that bread-type substance they ate in the wilderness for those 40 years. And so inside of it were reminders that God was with them. On top of it, there's these two gold cherubim looking inward. And the significance of this box is this is where God would meet with his people. It was almost like the invisible throne of their heavenly father. And so if you wanted to be near God, you would find out where is the ark today. If you wanted to get close to God, you'd find out where's the chest? Where is it? Where's it hanging out? I want to get as close as I can to it. And honestly, for a long time, it felt distance. For a long time, it felt far off. But now Joshua says we're getting up. Joshua says we're going forward. Joshua says God has something more for us. And the way that we're going to know how to get there is not by looking for clouds anymore. The way that we're going to know how to get there is not looking for fire anymore. The way that we're going to know how to get there is by following the presence of God. They were going someplace new and they needed a guide to get them there. One of the things that I think is so amazing for us as we think about 2022 is God does have something more for you. God has something more for every single one of us. And for many of us, we need a guide. We need God's presence in our life. We need a sense of direction that comes from his word and from godly people and from the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Because what's amazing in the Old Testament, God would, res- would hang out wherever that box was. So if you wanted to be near God, you'd find out where's the ark today and how do I get close to it? And when you fast forward to the times that they built the tabernacle and later had the temple, the ark felt far away. The Ark was locked up, basically in a room called the Holy of Holies. And so the only people that could go in there was the high priest. And he could only go one time a year. And when he went in, if there's any sin in his life, he, he was at risk of losing his life. And so for most of the Old Testament, God felt distance and God felt far off. But the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross... That the curtain that separated the Ark of God from the people of God, that curtain in the Holy of Holies that separated God from his people, that when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that that curtain was ripped into from top to bottom, symbolizing that God no longer lives in a box, but God lives inside of his people. Think about that. Out of all the places that God could have chosen to live, God chooses to live inside of us. That if you know Christ personally, there's a moment that Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped into your heart and he lives inside of you. And so for us as believers, if you know Christ personally, you don't have to look externally for God. You don't have to hope, well, I hope I know where to go. You have to ask God, the presence of God living inside of you, God, what is it that you want me to do? So question one is what direction am I going to go? Am I going to go back to the way things were or am I going to move forward? Question number two, am I going to listen to the right voice? What Who who am I going to follow? That if you know Christ personally, you are carrying the presence of God inside of you. My friend says it this way. If you know Christ personally, you are God's address. Think about that. Out of all the places God could have chosen to live, God chooses to live inside of his people. Out of all the places God could could have chosen to live, he comes to live inside of us. That means you're God's address. That means everywhere you go, God goes with you. It means everything you do, God's there with you. Every conversation you have, God's there with you. Every post that you put out there, God is there with you. Every time you go shopping, God's there with you. Every time you go shoplifting, God's there with you. Every time you go... I was just seeing who was still paying attention. Everywhere you go, God's with you. So question one, what direction am I gonna do? go? Question two, who am I gonna follow? And then question number three, am I willing to step out in faith? Am I willing to walk by faith? So what ends up happening is Joshua gets all these people together and says, look, There's the promised land. Look, we can see it right over there, but the problem is there's the Jordan River, and the Jordan River where they're crossing isn't like a little stream. It's not like... The Chattahooch over here, it's, it's, it's overflowing its banks. And so the time of year that this is, the, the snow-capped mountains are, mount, are, are, are melting and the water's flowing down and the, the, the river's up and it's overflowing its banks. And so it's this giant barrier between them and the promised land. And so Joshua begins to give them instructions. Listen to what he says in verse 6. Joshua talks to the priest. He says to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant. So they pick up this, this, this box. They pick it up on its poles. And then he says, pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant. They went before the people. Verse 7. Now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that they may know, just as, as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. Verse 8. You shall moreover command the priests who are carrying the ark, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now, I'm sure there's some pragmatists among the priests that day. We're, we're going to do what? I'm sure there are some indoor priest guys that are like, I'm not into this whole camping outdoor kind of thing. I, you know, I, I'm not sure about standing in some cold, murky river. And Joshua says, no, here's what I want you to do. Pick up the ark, come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, and you shall stand still in the Jordan. Look at verse 13. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when their feet rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. What? Yeah, between you and the promised land, there's this giant barrier. There's this thing that's in your way. For them, it's a physical river. For me, it was my own personal self-leadership. For you, it may be something else. There's something in the way. And Joshua says to the priest, here's what I want you to do. I want you to step into the water. You mean the water that's overflowing? Absolutely. The water that's cold and murky and dirty? Yeah, absolutely. I want you to stand in the water because when you stand in the water... The water that's flowing down from the city of Adam, 30 miles away, is going to stop. Listen to what it says as it goes on. It says, it'll stand in one heap a great distance away at Adam. Then look down at, at the end of verse 16. It says, it'll be completely cut off. Verse 17, and the priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel crossed on dry ground. Isn't that amazing? So there's this giant barrier. They don't know how it's going to work. There's this giant barrier. It seems impossible. And Joshua starts with the priest and says, I just want you to step into the water. I think for a lot of us, We've heard enough people say that the best year ahead of us is going to be easy. I think there's a lot of people that have bought into this idea that if God makes a promise, it means it's going to be automatic and there's not going to be work to it. But if you look in scripture, whether it's Abraham and Sarah praying for a child, whether it was Moses with a stuttering problem, unsure how God was going to use them, whether it was somebody like Samson or David. All throughout Scripture, God has made promises, but all throughout Scripture, God has invited His people to take a step out in faith. And I think there's so many of us that want the promises of God. We want the payoff of God. We want the joy of the promised land, but we're afraid to get our feet wet. What begins to happen is these priests, they step into the water. These priests, they, they work their way out into the middle of the river. The river's flowing down. There's the current going on. There's chaos. All of this drama. They're picking up the ark. They're holding it over their heads, trying to make sure it doesn't get wet, trying to make sure it doesn't wash away. And all they know is God says, I want you to stand. I don't know how this is going to work out. There's no book for this, God. There's no next steps for this. All he wants us to do is stand. And the moment they do what God asked them to do, God does what he promised to do. And when they stand in the middle of that raging river, God causes all that water that's flowing down to stand like a wall. And that obstacle that seemed like it was impossible moves out of the way. And the nation of Israel walks into the promises of God on dry ground my question for us today my question for me today is in 22 what direction are we going to go are we going to be like a live version of the movie groundhog day and just keep repeating Or are we going to believe that God has something new for us question two who am I going to follow am I going to follow everything the world says or am I going to listen to the voice of God Am I going to be in his word this year? Am I going to be connected to godly people this year? Am I going to be in a place where I can be guided by his presence this year? Question three, am I willing to step out to walk by faith even when I don't see it? Even when I don't know, am I willing to, to step, put my toe into the water? One of my friends and mentors is a guy named Michael Hyatt. He wrote a book called Living Forward. It's basically about writing a life plan for your life, that one day all of us are gonna have a moment where we pass away and one day there's gonna be somebody telling our life story and what we stood for and what our dreams were and and the things that mattered to us. And he said, one day that's gonna happen. People are gonna do that. And so the challenge is instead of waiting until we pass away for somebody to write that story, what would happen if we started intentionally living that way today? And so I wanna throw this graphic on the screen. If you've got the app, you can grab it from the app, or if you've got your phone, I'll invite you to take a picture of it. But in his book, Living Forward, he talks about eight different accounts in our life, eight different places in our life that all of us need to answer the question of direction. In other words, if you were to fast forward to the end of 2022, what would you like to be able to say about your relationship with God? what would you want your relationship with God to look like? Would you want it to be richer and more intimate? Would you like for it to be more vibrant? Would you like for it to be more substantial? What about your relationship with yourself? Or if you're married, what about your relationship with your spouse? Or if you've got kids, what about your relationship with your kids? And so in this book, he outlines these eight major areas of our life. They're sort of like bank accounts. Every bank account, you can either make deposits or you can make withdrawals. And honestly, 2020 and 21 took a lot of withdrawals from these accounts for most of us. What would it look like in 22 for us to say, I'm gonna make deposits in my relationship with my spouse. What if I made deposits in my relationship with my kids? What if I made deposits in my relationship with my friends or my career or my finances or my own personal ministry? How does God want me to serve? So what I would encourage you to do is take a picture of this or grab it out of the app And to basically do three things. One, for every single one of these, describe in a sentence or two, what do you want it to look like 12 months from now? If everything went well, what would you want it to look like? And then in the second sentence, what I would encourage you to do is to describe what does it look like today? What does it look like today? One way to do it is to treat it like a forecast. Like when I ask somebody, well, how's your relationship with God? They're like, well, it feels like scattered thunderstorms. That's a clever way of putting verbiage to it. So sentence one, what do I want it to look like in 12 months? Sentence two, what does it look like today? And then sentence three, what is a next step I can take in this area? So for instance, What do I want my relationship with God to look like in 12 months? I want it to be rich and vibrant. I wanna have the peace of God every single day. I know life's not gonna be perfect, but that's what, where am I at today? Well, honestly, uh, coming out of the holidays and what 21 was, I feel a little stressed and I feel like my schedule's been a little too jam tight. So what's the next step? Well, next step is every single day, I'm gonna make sure instead of rushing out, I'm gonna hang out with God for a few minutes as I can every single day. What about self? Well, I know the best way to be able to invest in other people is to be invested in myself. And so I wanna be a person that, that is emotionally healthy and I want to be a person that is, is, is sure of who God's called him to be. That's what I wanted to look. Where am I at today? And you see how that works. You just begin to fill it out. And then you begin to ask the question, well, when it comes to the next step, is there a voice? Is there a guide? Like when you get down to to finances, that's that's one of the reasons why we're having Joe Sengel with us next week is he's the guide that we look to. That's the guide that I look to when I'm asking questions about finances. Instead of me just saying, well, what does the commercial say? And what does all the talking heads on TV say? I trust Joe's heart and I trust that he comes from a biblical perspective. And so maybe a next step is to say, I'm going to be here next Sunday. I'm going to come to the financial learning experience. Or maybe when it comes to personal ministry, maybe, maybe for you, you've been sitting on the sidelines and God says, this is the year I want you to step up. This is the year. I want you to invite neighbors over and start a Bible study, or maybe this is the year I want you to serve once a week over at the path project or with the co-op. What is that next step? And what's amazing is after they walked through Joshua chapter three, it wasn't easy. It wasn't automatic. But on the other side of that barrier was the blessing of God. Can you imagine what it would be like for us to look back 12 months from now to say, man, 22 wasn't necessarily always easy. It wasn't always nice and neat, but I got to see God work. Because what's amazing in Joshua three is, yes, there were things that God asked them to do. I want you to pick up the ark. I want you to stand. But at the end of the day, their job was to take steps of faith. God's job was to bring the results. Their job was, I'm going to step into the water even when it doesn't make sense. And God's job was to pile that water up and deliver them. It's a reminder today that there literally, there is literally nothing that our God cannot do. Let's stand together. Let's sing this out. Let's celebrate the power of our God to walk into 22, leaving behind the past and expecting something more. Let's sing this out today. Today we get to choose whether we believe this. Join your voices with ours as we sing in faith that there is nothing that he can't do. Thing that I've got, yeah. Saying that we believe that he's not done yet, that he's still at work, that he is still weaving together a story, his story. That we get to choose to believe that I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. There's nothing that our God can't do. Man, it's been a joy to worship with you today. Uh, Reminder, next week, we do go back to two hours, 9, 30, and 11. Uh, Pastor Chuck has an incredible teaching that's coming up this month as well. And so uh, if this resonated with you, sort of a blend between the theology of what what we believe and some practical next steps to do, you're going to really love Pastor Chuck's teaching here uh, coming up later this month. And then we're going to cap off the end of the month with what we call internally we call it rock sunday where we ask the lord what is the thing what is the theme word that you have for each of us and pastor chuck's going to be walking us through that and so some of you have already told me that god's given you the word for the year and that's amazing but if you haven't thought about that yet a theme that god has for you this year be praying about that be seeking that and pastor chuck will be teaching more about that in the weeks to come. But man, I can't think of a better scripture for us to walk out and walk into 2022 with than Ephesians chapter three. And it's this reminder, it's a prayer that Paul prayed for his people. And this is my prayer for us today. But in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, he says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. We love you guys. Happy New Year's. We can't wait to see you back here soon. Have a great rest of your day. We love you.